Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, family. Come on, let's make some noise. We're glad to be in church today. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. I know you shout louder at a Chiefs game. Come on, somebody shout Jesus in the house. Let's go. Yeah. Can I get a yeah? yeah. Can I get a hoo That worked. Amazing. Man, welcome to church. It is so good to see everybody. Can we give it up for this amazing worship? Come on, show them some love. Bro, my God. So, so good. One of those songs you just want to dance everywhere, right? And I tried to dance, but I got that disease, CRD, Caucasian Rhythmic Disorder. I just can't move it. This is about all I got, making the pizza. That's it. But uh, I tell you, what an amazing worship set. What an honor it is to be here with our Hillsong family here in Kansas City, man. Just, it feels good in the room, don't it? Come on. Anybody just glad to be here? And also, not just here, but we want to welcome everybody. Come on, put your hands together from our Plaza campus. Come on, show them some love. Yo, we love you. Everybody watching online, what's up? And my dear friends, brothers and sisters, the Lansing Correctional Facility. Come on, we love you. We love you so much. We just want you to know that even though you might be in prison, prison don't have to be in you. Jesus can go right through the lens of this camera and it's touching the very heart in your cell where you're hanging out watching in the dormitory. We love you so much and everybody watching today. I just believe Jesus is on the move already and things are gonna begin to happen. Amen on that? It's gonna be so good. I also, I wanna honor your pastors. Man, how many, if you don't know, if you're new, do yourself a favor and come back to hear Pastor Liz and Kyle. Let me tell you, Pastor Kyle and Liz, they're some of the most amazing people on the planet. Being able to walk around here and seeing House of Hope and seeing their heart and their vision, like in action. Like I hear them talking about it all the time. By the way, they brag on you all the time. Like you get around them, all they do is talk about you. Like, man, stop talking about your church family, dude. It's like all the time. But I just share that to say, this shows how much they love you. Let me tell you, what's happening here is being echoed around the world. And you got some of the greatest pastors on the planet. Can we show some love and honor for Pastor Kyle, Liz, and the whole family? We love you guys so, so much. They on sabbatical right now. How many know Pastor Kyle needs to come back with a better tan? And so let's just hope that happens, man. Better tan and tighter skinny jeans. And um, he'll preach better. And uh, anyway, I love him so much. We love you guys, and it's an honor to be here. Love the Hillsong family, and God is moving in a great way. Also, I got to give a shout out. I'm not here alone. I got my boo, my rib. My wife, Kristen, is here with me in the house. Yo, what's up, man? She's amazing, and she's blessed me. We have four kids at home, three girls and a, and a boy, and they're all 12 and under. Now you know how to pray for a brother. And y'all think we're here to preach. We're here on vacation, we feel like. And so uh, they're, they're awesome. They're amazing. Love, pray for them. Uh, my six-year-old son, he needs Jesus. It's about every other day, my, my girls are shouting at me, Dad, Cruz is jumping butt naked on the trampoline again. And I do what every good dad does. I don't do nothing. Come on, somebody. If you're going to do it, do it then, baby. Get it out at six. And, uh, but he, he's crazy. He needs Jesus. And, uh, but man, we have our, the Barber family. We have an honor to be here. And I'll share a little bit more about a uh, prison ministry that Pastor Kyle spoke about. But uh, I believe God's just going to do something great. Anybody come ready for the word? Can I get an amen in the house? 
Come on, come expectant. God's going to do some great things. Let me pray. Let me pray real quick. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the anointing that is in this place. Father, every person in the room, every person watching right now, Father, at a plaza campus and our prison campus and the future campuses to come, God. We pray right now, Holy Spirit, I don't know everybody's story, but you do. And I pray today we're going to leave here better than we came in. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I believe restoration is in the house. I believe things are going to come back together. Better days start today. And Father, we declare it and we believe it. And in advance, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. And if you believe it, church, somebody give Jesus one big amen. And come on, put your hands together one more time. Yeah. Amen. Hey, do me a favor. High five two or three people and say, man, I thought you sang better than that. And then just sit down. Sit down and pick your second choice. Man, oh man. Thank you, guys. What an awesome, awesome moment. And uh, man, I tell you, um, one of the things Pastor Kyle was so kindly to share, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Again, my wife and I were from the Houston area. And uh, if it makes you feel any better, I did cheer for the Chiefs. Come on, somebody. In the Super Bowl. I don't know if that makes me family or not, but we're there. And um, we um, were there. And actually, my family, um, not only were we helped pastoring a church in the inner city for 10 years, and, and now we're part of a church called Grace, an amazing church there in Houston. And uh, so we love the pastor. We're in the inner city, Hope Center. I love seeing everything. How many thankful for the Hope Center, all that's taking place right now and reaching the city and what y'all did yesterday is absolutely incredible. And, uh, but part of my family as well, uh, that I've been doing is for the last 35, 36 years, my family and I have been in prison ministry. My father played 10 years in the NFL and then he retired and went into prison ministry. Two totally different careers. Come on, somebody. And he went into prison. And in fact, my whole life, I've been in and out of prison. And so my first time was at 14 years old. Anybody remember that, that episode on TV called Scared Straight? Yeah, I lived it. And so like at 14 and, and I went in and I preached my very first sermon at 14 years old inside prison. And, and I, tell you, I tell you what prison ministry did is actually, I got a couple of pictures. I want to show you guys kind of, we, we have an opportunity. Check this out. We have an opportunity not only to go around the nation, uh, the state of Texas, but around the nation and the world. We've been to Russia, Ukraine, Central, South America, one of my favorite prisons in the jungle of Guatemala. But we do everything we can to go reach as many people. To, can I tell you, prison ministry is the fastest growing mission field in the world. We need to be, it used to be one in every 12 of our youth will spend some time in prison. Now it's down to one in every three. How many would agree the church needs to be an answer? Can I get an amen on all that? And so, and so it's, it's my, I'm very passionate about this. And so we go in and we hold like crusades, revivals. And you can see this. This is a tent set up in the middle of the prison yard. And there's about 800 men underneath that tent here in the name of Jesus right now. Could you just think about it the one day 30 years ago when my dad, when he went to the head of the ward and he said, hey, I got an idea from God. Can I put up a tent in the yard? And, and the yard is something where, I mean, there, gang activity, like you don't cross certain grounds. I mean, everything is divided, but you put a tent up, it creates neutral ground. And he said, hey, can you, uh, will you let me put up a tent and 98 of the prison population will come out and I promise you a riot won't take place. And can I tell you, in 35, 36 years, we've not had one fight, but we've had millions of souls and hands go up to say yes to Jesus. Come on, men and women saying yes to Jesus, families getting back together, legacies changing, and, and we love it. And I think I got a few more pictures here to show you guys. Look at that, that's 800 ladies underneath the tent 
right in the middle of the yard. And look at that, that's right at 1,100 men right outside of Houston, just hearing the name of Jesus. And we pass out, we pass out uh, a soap and shampoo because uh, that's one of the biggest needs there. And if I've had one, we've had, who knows, hundreds of thousands come out to get soap and shampoo, but they live with Jesus. They leave with Jesus. Come on, all right? And so kind of that's our heart and our passion. That's why my friends at Lansing Facility, like, like that we family. Like, I just, I love prison. I love, can I tell you right now, I love, and you should be proud that you are a part of a church who has a passion to go outside the four walls of the church. Not only did we reach the streets of the city yesterday, but they're saying, hey, we're going to go and love on those that the world is tagging with the number, but God still knows their name. They got a future. They got a hope. Are you with me? And this ain't everybody's story. Ain't everybody's story, but I know my story. The only difference between my friends in prison and me is that they got caught. Come on, somebody. And we just want you to know that this house, we love you. We love you. We believe in you. And can I tell you, this is what I love about the heart of your pastors. is they're saying, we got to do more. Prison ministry is the fastest growing mission field, like I said. And the local church, if it's the hope of the world and it's the answer, how many want to believe that? Not only is this going to be the first prison, but how many believe we're going to expand? We're going to have live services. Amen. We're going to go in and we're going to have more prisons come. How many are willing to do whatever it takes to go reach as many people as possible? Can I get an amen on that? I believe it. I believe it. I'm so thankful for it. And, and today, um, today, I'm fired up. I just kind of want to stir your heart a little bit of what it means to go and reach people. It's one of my absolute passions, and I believe it's the closest thing to the heart of God. The closest thing to the heart of God is people. And can I tell you, like, like at the end of the day, you can't take nothing with you to heaven but people. You can't take your car. You can't take your house. You can't take your fly shoes. I see your brother on the front row. And like, you, you, can't, you can't take your bank account. You can't take your, nothing. The only thing you can take with you is, is people. So am I taking my family? What am I doing to take the friends around me? How am I reaching the city? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, pull out your phone or look at the big Bible on the screen behind me. Matthew, Matthew 5. I'm going to get there in just a moment. But here's what I want to talk about if you're taking notes. I want to talk about this. It's really a question to ask the Lord about ourselves. Lord, make me an answer. Come on, can everybody say that with me? Say, Lord... Say it together. Come on, here we go. Lord, Lord make, me an make me an answer. How many know God has called us to, to be an answer to this world? He's called us to be unique. He's called, he put a specific purpose and design on the inside of you to go be an answer to somebody's world. Jesus is not a secret to be kept. When I think about this, the call to people, I, I can't help but think about, like I mentioned, I got four kids and, and uh, my daughter, I think it was her seventh birthday, she came to me with a special request. Do I got any parents in the room? Just wave your hand at me. Come on, anybody? Like, wave. Okay, okay. Anybody ever, any parents ever find yourself doing things that you never thought you would do? Huh, am I right? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all waving at me now. Like, let's go. And so, and so someday when you become a parent, those in the room, you'll understand what I'm saying. And my daughter, she, I mean, she wanted one thing for her birthday. And I did like every great parent does. I kind of wait till the last second. Come on, anybody wait till the last second? And she wanted the Tinkerbell Pirate Fairy outfit. Not just a Pirate Fairy outfit, but the, not just a Tinkerbell outfit, but the Pirate Fairy. Come on, don't Disney. You love them and you hate them at the same time, right? They just reinvent the same thing and we empty the bank account. 
And so I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. There's a plethora of these around the city of Houston, second largest city. All of a sudden, I hit one target, two targets, three, four targets. And all of a sudden, I'm freaking out about something I never thought I'd freak out about. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I'm not going to be able to get my daughter her pirate Tinkerbell outfit. I'm a, well, I can't be a horrible dad. I made a problem. And all of a sudden, friend, I'm, I'm, I'm driving all over the city of Houston, hitting up every Target, hitting up every Walmart, calling my wife, stressed out, sweating. Like, I can't find it nowhere. Just losing it. But how many know the Lord shows up in the midnight hour? <laughs> and I went to this one Target in the middle of nowhere. And on the aisle, there was one, I kid you not, making there was one outfit hanging on the shelf. And guess what it was? A pirate Tinkerbell outfit. Come on. I grabbed that thing and you ain't ever seen a grown man skip through Target like I did. Just like, woo! Just screaming at random people. I found it! I found it! And I'm just like so excited. I don't know about you, but, but the Lord, mine, his relationship is a little bit unique. He likes to talk to me in moments like that. And he looked at me and said, yeah, Brandon, you get it? You can't love somebody and not love what they love. And when I think about that, I can't say that I love God and not love what he loves. And who does he love? People. I can't say that Jesus is my savior and I love him and I keep him to, I can't be selfish with the one who brought me hope. I can't say I love Jesus and not learn to love what he loves and that is people. It's people. God put me on this earth to be an answer. He put you on this earth to be an answer to somebody's world. I want to read Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. We won't break it down too much, but I pray that kind of stirs your heart for some of the things that God has laid on my heart today. Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. If you're there, can I get a yeah? Come on. Here we go. Let, let me tell. I'm sorry, guys. I'm bored. Let me tell you. I love how it starts off. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt. Everybody shout salt. Seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light. Everybody shout light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. And this phrase right here, underline it, write it down, let it be imprinted on your heart. God is not a secret to be kept. Jesus is not a secret to be kept. So what are we going to do, Hillsong? We're going to go public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you, right, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to keep you underneath the bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Verse 16, now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Everybody shout shine. shine. I need you to shine. It says, and keep an open house. The Bible says that our heart is like a house. So I need you to keep an open heart to go and reach people. Don't just fall in love with Sunday mornings, but we got to go to the streets. We got to go to the prisons. We got to go to different cities. We got to change the state. We got to change the world. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others and you will prompt people 
Here's the, here's the call. You will prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. We are called to be an answer. He says, I called you to be salt. Here's the one thing I know about salt. Come on, I got, do I got any foodies in the house? Come on, any foodies in the house? Let's go. They took me to some barbecue joint, and I'm from Texas, y'all. So I know barbecue, but they took me somewhere like na- last night, like my Jesus. I don't know, them bird ends were like eating a baby angel. I don't know what it was like. And that cornbread is like, I don't know, is the, is the Holy Ghost was like up in the cornbread. Something like, like Jesus was there. Come on. How many love some good Kansas City barbecue? Let's go, right? It's like, I love it. Here's what I know about food, though. Salt can make anything that has no flavor bring, make it taste better. It can make anything better. Let me say it again like this. It can make anything that seems dead feel life. And that's our answer. Like, when you walk into a room, do you make it brighter? Or do you make it darker? He said, I called you to be light, to stand out and to shine, not to be under a bucket and be hidden because this Jesus, it's not a secret to be kept. Has Jesus touched your life? Come on, anybody in the house, if you're thankful for the hope of Jesus, and at some point he's changed, why would we not want to introduce this good to everybody else? You don't eat Chick-fil-A and keep Chick-fil-A to you. You tell everybody about it. If you use some good, why not the very one who can change and set people free, get people off addiction, find freedom, get their marriage back, get their family back, shift their legacy? Why would we hold this thing secret? And the question is, you got to open up your heart. Even with prison ministry, can I tell you, I absolutely love your pastors for this because it is very rare to find pastors, and I've been in this a long time, who have a heart as big as they do for the city and for prisons. And a lot of people think that they deserve what they got. Can I tell you right now, I know a lot of people that are more bound behind the invisible bar sitting in their home than people that are sitting inside the prison watching right now. I'll never forget at 19 years old, I walked in and talked to a gentleman. He's in a four by seven cell for the rest of his life, four feet by seven feet. Some of you, that's the size of your bathroom for the rest of his life. And he looked at me and he says, I was in a moment in my life where I was a little stuck on stupid. Anybody ever been stuck on stupid? How many lying in church right now? Come on, where you at? Okay, just wait, y'all afraid? To like, yeah, that's me right now. Uh, but uh, I was in a season. He looked at me. He said, Brandon, he said, I want you. He said, I'm freer in here than you are right now out there. And it set me free. It made me realize that freedom is on the inside. God has called us to be an answer. And I think the question is, who wants to be an answer? Who wants to be an answer to somebody's world? We're not going to keep this place secret. We're going to go through the house of hope and to the streets, and we're going to bring the name of Jesus everywhere we go. Amen on that? So how many want to be an answer? How many want to be used by God? Come on, throw your hands up. Everybody, every location. Where you at? You with me? I want to give you some thoughts on how to be an answer. Number one is this. You got to understand this, that faithfulness puts you on the draft board. Faithfulness puts you on the draft board. I don't know if you're sports fanatics or not, but every athlete, they want to get on that draft board because it lets them know that, hey, there is a team that wants them that could use them and their gifts can be used. You want to get on that draft board, baby. You want to make that happen. And and, and when I think about this, I think about a story in the Bible with Jesus. He had a team and that team was called the disciples. And there was how many? Twelve. But then all of a sudden, Judas did what he did, stuck on stupid, right? Made a mistake. And now all of a sudden, Team Jesus 
has one, has a, a position on the roster that needs to be filled. And all of a sudden, Jesus already died, rose from the dead, gone up to heaven. They've already had the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down. And Peter stands up and remembers a prophecy from King David in Psalms and says, hey, we need a, we're not a complete team. We need, we need to make sure we complete this team. We got to get out and find somebody. How many would agree that being on Team Jesus is kind of a big deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. So you can't just pick anybody. But notice what they said in Acts. Say, go and find us somebody that meets these qualifications. Here's what it says in Acts 1, verse 21 through 22. It says there, therefore, go out and find us somebody that of these men has it accompanied us, in other words, been with us, from the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John, meaning when John baptized Jesus, he was there, and he was taken up from us, one of those must be a witness of his resurrection. Here's what they're saying. Go find me somebody who's been there from the beginning of Jesus all the way to the very end of Jesus and didn't waver and was with us through the ins and outs of the three years of Jesus. And the, they actually came up with a couple of guys and rolled the dice and it landed on a guy by the name of Matthias. Matthias is mentioned once, half a scripture in the Bible and yet make one of the greatest impacts in the kingdom of God. This dude, Matthias, joined the team. But I want you to notice something. Hear me today, friends. Hear me. It's like, notice what qualified him. It wasn't how good he could preach. It wasn't the leadership status that he carried in the corporate world. It, didn't, it wasn't how good he could sing, how much money he had, how big his house was, how many cars he had. The status meant nothing. What attracted them was simply his faithfulness. That's all they needed. Go, go and find me somebody that's been with Jesus through the mountain and the valleys. Peter denied him, but this guy never denied him. Find me somebody who's been with me from the beginning to the end. I need that person. And he didn't have any other qualification except he simply found faithful. Faithful. Can I tell you, friends, if you are faithful, God will find you. And here's what I know about this. And I want you to get this deep inside of you. God does not waste a gift. You are a gift to this world. You are a gift from, if God didn't need you, he wouldn't have created you. But you're here for a reason and for a purpose. Even to all my friends watching right now in prison and, and, and behind the lot, you might think your life is over, but I'm telling you, I've seen it time and time again. What you start right there, God is not bound by chains. He's not bound by prison walls. What you start there, he'll take out there. Your marriage can be restored. Your family can be restored. You can get out. I've seen time after time people with life sentences saying, any day now, God's going to get me out. I'm going to live my life. And if God can change the heart of a king, how many know he can change the heart of a judge and you can get your freedom and God can change your family and things can get back together. Sorry, I just went to talk to my friends real quick. Is that good? Are you with me? Like, like God has not waste a gift. You are a gift to the world. You are a gift to somebody's world. And the question is, do you really realize what a powerful gift you are? Is anybody with a show of hands, don't lie up in church, anybody ever re-gifted a gift? Come on, are they in this room? Just look at them. I don't know. Am I right at Plaza? You re-gifted a gift? Are you with me? Like, 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 we've been there. Can I tell you something? God has never re-gifted purpose. 
He has never changed anything on you. Are you with me? Like you're not a mistake. God, you are a gift to somebody's world, but it's got to shift on the inside of you somewhere to where you rise up in your spirit to realize like, you know what? I'm called to be an answer. I'm called to do something unique. Trust the gift of God inside of you and trust where God has you. I wonder how many of us, I don't know if y'all are like me, but I get so caught up and worried about, about what's coming. Like I worry about the unknown. God has called me here, but all my thoughts are there. No wonder you can't get any traction with hope and faith and strength. God is saying, trust where I have you. God can only work within the time frame, within the framework of obedience and faithfulness. Matthias proved that. There is a reward to faithfulness. He just said he didn't have to have it all together. He didn't have to quote so many scriptures to get a degree. He didn't have to do it. He was just simply, God, I just want to be used by you. I just want to be around. I just want to serve. I want to jump on the prison team and go serve in the prisons. I want to jump on the greeting team. I want to serve in the kids. I want to serve at House of Hope. I just want to be around. I just want to be faithful to be an answer to somebody's world and to bring hope to Jesus. And there's a reward for that. Did you know if you go back and you read in Revelations, I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember what the exact uh, uh, chapter and verse is, but in Revelations, it talks about that God built the very foundation of heaven on the stones with the names of the apostles, the disciples. The very foundation of heaven. You know, like when sometimes people build homes and you go and you write your names because it's important to know what you laid the foundation on is what you build upon. And he said, I'm going to build this place for people. But the foundation is going to be built on the team that helped me introduce the hope to the world. And imagine the angel work crew up there. How many of you, that's the worst chisel that you've ever heard, right? Let's try to get it. Okay, I'll just stop. Okay, it's like, but they're working to build this home. Peter, John, Matthew, and so on and so on. And they get to the last one, Matthias. Yo, Jesus, who's that? Oh, <laughs> let me tell you that is. That's my boy, Matthias. What did he do? He did a whole lot more than all these knuckleheads. Let me tell you what my boy Matthias did. Matthias was with me when nobody else was with me. When this guy denied me and ran from me, he was right there still with me. When everybody else left me, he was with me through the valleys and the mountaintops from the beginning and all the way to, I can tell you why he's in heaven. It's because he was simply just faithful. He never preached a sermon. We don't even know if he led somebody to Jesus. He was just there. His very presence changed things. He said, I'm just going to be answered by just showing up. I wonder how many of us have that attitude. Just say, you know what? We're not going to just be spiritually picky. We're just gonna, I'm just going to show up. And I'm going to say, God, I want to be an answer. And I want to be found faithful to being used by you. I am a gift of God. You are a gift. And all God is looking is for faithfulness. You don't have to be perfect. God can't work with something that's perfect. Who wants to be perfect? But God can work with something that's broken to bring it back together. He can make it happen. Come on, are you with me in the house? Are you with me? Amen. Faithfulness puts you on the draft board. Second thought is this. You got to get this. You got to know that the house heals. Come on, the house heals. In other words, I love this phrase right here. If we do the loving, God does the healing. 
if we do the loving, God does the healing. The house heals. My favorite story in the Bible, maybe you've heard it some before, is my boy Zacchaeus. My boy Zacchaeus doesn't call him just a sinner, but it calls him a notorious sinner. You know what it tells me? That brother's got a record. He's got a number attached to his name by the state. This dude, he was the original drug lord, original kingpin. He ran the street, whatever you want to call it. Like Everybody knew who he was, and all of a sudden, he ran the streets, and all of a sudden, Jesus, it says his entourage starts walking in the street, and we're like, who is this dude? They're calling the Messiah, Jesus, that's walking in my street. They meet head to head, and in that moment, everybody wanted him to walk around him, but Jesus does something totally different. Jesus walks into his house with him. And in that house, we don't know what takes place. We don't, I don't know what was happening. I don't know if they were sitting in the hot tub eating goat wings, watching camel racing. I don't know. We don't know what was taking place. All I know is this, something in the house changed. Because when he was walking into the house, he called him Jesus. But when he walked out of the house, he called him Lord. Can I tell you, there's something about getting in the house. You can't sit in the, in the middle of that worship and not feel the presence of Jesus. You can't come to church. Some of you, the last thing you want to do is come to church, but you need to come to church. You don't want to lift up your hands, but you need to lift up your hands because when you get in the house, something shifts, something changes. And, and, and when it comes to that, when it comes to that, we need to take the house to the streets. We need to take the house to the prisons. There's two things. They unite every single one of us, and that is pain and need. We all deal with pain and need. It don't matter what parts of the streets you come from. It don't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're from. If you got a background, if you don't have a background, you're all perfect. You, you don't, pain and need unites us all. And it lets us know that healing happens from the inside. And when we can learn to love people from the inside, no matter what their life looks like on the outside, God is saying, you do the loving and I'll do the healing. And if we can just get people into the house, invite them to church, or this is the beauty of prison ministry because the beauty of that story was Zacchaeus is that after he left meeting with Jesus, the Bible says he went back to the streets to restore the very streets that he stole from. Let me tell you, I might be crazy, but I firmly believe this with all my heart. If you want to shake a city for Jesus, it goes from prison to streets to church. And when we put it all together, God begins to move in a miraculous way and begins to multiply the things of God. Like I want people to know, this is the heart of your church, I want you to know that there's prevention, intervention, and aftercare. We're going to do everything we can to keep you from messing up and going. But if you do, guess what? We're going to be there. And guess what? And when you get out, you don't have to care. Guess what? We're going to be there. My goal is no matter where you are in life, you're going to see Hillsong. You're going to see us. We're going to be there no matter what it takes because we want to bring the hope. We have the house heals. And the great thing is we're moving the house that heals. We're taking it to Lansing Correctional Facility. We're taking it to the house of hope, to the streets. We're taking this thing portable. And you know who brings the house to the streets and to the prisons? It's you. You are the church. You are the house. You are the one that's saying, God, I want to be an answer. And if you're willing just to love people, God says, you don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to know what to say. Because if you just do the loving, 
I'll do the healing. It's what it's all about. So I begin to close this thing out. Here's my last thought to you. We good in the house? Can I get a yeah? Come on, everybody with me? Here's my thought to you is this, is you got to recognize this. You got to recognize that you're somebody's answer to prayer. Do you wake up every day asking, God, who can I be an answer for today? I'm somebody, there's somebody you can text today. There's somebody you can call today. You've been trying to avoid them. You don't want them. What blows me away about Jesus is Jesus knew what Jesus was going to do, but he still kept the seat at the table. How many people have we thrown out? God said, Jesus, I'm just going to love them. I'm going to let the healing take place. I think about this story. I want to show that the gift is inside of you more than you realize. Remember the first moment that Jesus met Peter? They were at the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, Peter, come and follow me, and I will make you, help me out, fishers of men. They were all fishermen. And then they were Jesus for three years, and Jesus died on the cross. Remember, Peter denied Jesus. The Bible says he ran back to his past. Jesus rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene was there and said, hey, go and tell everybody that I'm here. Oh, go tell my boy Peter. And then all of a sudden we see in John chapter 21, we see a similar scene. Jesus is, he's just, he's just amazing in how he handles this. In John 21, Jesus goes back and meets Peter where he found him. But he talks to him different this time. The first time he talked to him like a fisherman. This time he talks to Peter like a shepherd. He says, Peter, do you love me? What does he say, right? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Why in the world this time is Jesus talking to a fisherman like a shepherd? What's the difference here? Why? Maybe Jesus was calling him to learn how to love people and to open up his heart and the house of his heart a little bit more. Just maybe, you got to understand the context of the situation and the scene too is that in those days, the, the Jews were, were really, the Romans just were taking over the business of all the Jews and they were, they were um, fish, fishing was the number one business in the city. And they were really oppressed by the Romans. And every fish that they caught, they were taxed on. So every fish they caught, they didn't keep. They would pick and choose which fish to keep because there was a price and there was a cost. How do we know that? Because in that story, the Bible says Jesus, he's holding a fish fry, come on. And there's 153 fish on the shore because they counted the cost and they didn't bring back every fish. And Jesus is looking at this and he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, not too long ago, you were with me and I said, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And I was looking at you, Peter, Peter, will you help be an answer? You and all your friends, I need you to be an answer. Upon you, I'm going to build my church. And we're going to shake the gates of hell. We're going to populate heaven. And so Peter, like, why didn't you bring back all the fish? And I think he looked at him and he said, Peter, he said, if you're going to really reach people and change the world, I can't have you loving people the way you fish.
where you pick and choose, is it worth it? Is it worth the cost? Are they valuable enough? Is it worth going to prison? You better believe it is. Is it worth going to the streets? Is it worth going to those parts of the streets? Is it worth, you can't pick and choose. Is it long enough? Is it big enough? Do they got a big enough bank account? Do they not? If they're broken, they're not broken. Like maybe they've been divorced 762 times. It don't matter. The next time's going to be the best time, right? Like it doesn't matter. Peter, I can't have you loving people like you fish. I need you to love people like a shepherd. A fisherman will pick and choose what they want, but a shepherd will leave the 99 for the one. A fisherman will run from the storm. But a shepherd says, you give me a lion, you give me a bear, you give me a big, angry, a giant, it don't matter what you put in my way, ain't nothing going to stop me from being an answer to my family, being an answer to my city, and changing people's lives. Here's the question, though. Hillsong family, you got incredible shepherds here with Pastor Kyle and Liz. Why do you expect them to do it all? There's so much weight put on the lead pastors and senior pastors. Hey, we're leaning on you to go and reach the city. We just the opposite. We're saying, we're just trying to get you fired up to lean in together to go reach the city. You know what I'm looking at in here? I'm not looking at a bunch of fishermen. In this room, I'm looking at a bunch of shepherds. In every location watching right Lansing, you're a shepherd. You can check your prison right now is your mission field. Plaza right now, there's a bunch of shepherds in the room. Everybody watching online. In other words, you can make a difference. You're the answer to somebody's prayer. You're the answer. Let's stand together real quick. I want to close with this. I know every pastor has like three closings. That right, but if we can lean in, I want to. I'll be quick with it, but I want to share this scripture and share a story. And I pray that God begins to, I pray He stir in your heart today, and now we can make it a little bit more personal because I know this God is saying, Hey, Jesus is not a secret to be kept, He didn't call you keep, to keep your salt in your shaker and keep your lamp under a bucket, He said, I've called you to make a difference. You can be the answer for your family. You can be the answer for your workplace. And then I love this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews 6, 9 through 10. It says this, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things. How many believe better days? Come on, amen. In case things have accompanied you from salvation. Verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped people and continue to help them. He will not forget. He will not forget. How many thankful that we serve a God who never forgets us? We're thankful for a God who keeps loving us. And I'm thankful that if God can keep loving us, he said he's going to be an answer for me. Am I going to be an answer for somebody else? to wrap up this story. There was a prison, a good friend of mine by the name of Tony, but there's a prison. It was the most violent prison in Texas. And they called the head of the state and they said, we can't calm this place down. 
They said only the Barber family ministry can calm this place down. <laughs> it was awesome. They just said, Jesus is the answer. Let's go. And so me and my dad, we went there for seven days. And we walked into every prison cell, ministering to God. I'm in full tactical gear. I'm, I'm shaking hands with God. My fingertip, they're reaching down and just shaking my hand by the, my fingertip. And, and I absolutely, my two favorite places, throw me in the street, throw me in the depths of a prison. I know it's unique, but it's my favorite place to be. And we're there. God is just doing some incredible things. And, and in fact, uh, we walk in and I meet this one guy by the name of Tony. He's considered one of the most violent inmates in the entire history of Texas. He's seven foot two. Look at my man, Tony. I think we got a picture. Look at that mean mug on the left. Where's a size 17 triple D? Like I'm not intimidated by a lot of people, but homeboy got my attention. The reason why I share this story about him it's because he walked up to me just like me mugging, just like, I mean, he's the most, he can take, the guards told me he took out 15 tactical guards because uh, in just one setting by himself, he has a fourth grade education, doesn't know his own strength. He's 47 years old. And I walk in, they tell me this is the most violent prison in Texas. And I'm like, yep, I'm feeling it right now. And then we have a service that night. That's pretty incredible. There's about 200 guys in the room. And it was all the worst of the worst. They want every, They don't let these guys out, but they let them out for us. And um, and they just put one officer in the back. <laughs> I was praying in the Holy Ghost the whole time. I'm like, Lord Jesus. But it was amazing. In that room, though, it was pretty intense. Every Satanist, every atheist, every gang leader, everybody was there. I don't even remember what I preached. Just the Holy Spirit moved in an incredible way. Multiple atheists gave their name to Jesus. The head Satanist leader brought me his upside down cross and gave his life to Jesus in an incredible way. God just moved all throughout that room. It's unbelievable. And they even called us six weeks later and the whole, play, the whole prison was calmed down, almost 3,000 inmates. Violence was down for over six weeks. Can't tell me that the power and the anointing of Jesus don't work. In that setting though, guess who came walking in? My boy, Tony. We have an altar call at the end, and he walks up to me, and he gets face-to-face, because he knows no boundaries, bro. He's like a little kid. And I look up at him. He's looking down at me. And I say, hey, what's up, Tony? He said, hey, when people make fun of me, I either beat them up. And I was like, bro, you smart. I love you. Just, I'm encouraging him, because I don't want him to think anything. He looks at me, and he says, God has... He said, you said something to me tonight. He said, when people make fun of me, I either beat them up or I cut myself. Imagine a seven foot two man with more cuts than you can imagine in your life. And we went into the side room and he's like, God can't love somebody like me. I'm 47, I'm too far gone. And he's talking just like a little kid because he doesn't know any better. And he looks at me and he says, um, he said, you said something tonight. He says, at seven years old, he said, I was molested by my uncle his brother was a pastor from seven years old I've hated God they did nothing I've hated God I've hated the church and I've hated Jesus and here we are 40 years later in the middle of a prison and he's saying I feel like God is, is telling me that he can love me again the amazing thing is he gave his life to Jesus which is incredible come on amen all that but you know what he said to me I'm going somewhere I promise you know what he said to me he said Mr. Baba he said, hey, can I sing you a song? I said, yeah, Tony, you can do whatever you want. You seven foot two, bro. He 
sang the song, and if God's gonna tell you, it was one of the most beautiful voices I have ever heard in my life. And here's the name of his song, Why I Need You, God. And you know when he wrote it? That night at seven years old. And here's my point in that, is that even when we give up on Jesus, he never gives up on us. And even though he gave up on Jesus at seven, Jesus was right there when he was 17, when he was 27, when he was 37. But if we just did the loving, God will do the healing in a 47 in the right moment, at the right place, because willing to be an answer, his entire family and legacy was always changed. And can I tell you, friends, that's the best way I know how to describe it. How are we going to be an answer? You never know who you're going to meet today. It may be 40 years, 10 years, two days, and your one conversation introducing the hope of Jesus could be the very thing that changes their life. We just got to be willing to say, hey, I want to be an answer. I want to change some people's lives. Are you with me? That's what it's all about. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I know you want your life to change. And I know know that you want to make a difference but none of it happens without a relationship with Jesus I'm turning this to you right now everybody watching and everybody in the room you think that Jesus has forgotten but he hasn't forgotten can I tell you friend if you want to be used by God it all starts with Jesus Jesus didn't die on the cross to be a part of your top three he died to be number one in your life. And everybody in this room, everybody watching, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Nobody's looking around. Even if they were, who cares? There's a moment in your life, like we said earlier, Jesus went back to meet Peter where he found him. There's some of you, your love for Jesus is not near as strong as it used to be. And you're ready to get it back today. Some of you, it's your first time. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need this more than ever. There may be one, there may be multiple hands in the room, but you're saying, I'm ready to get my life back with Jesus and stronger than it's ever been. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up at every location, and I want you to keep it up. Saying, Jesus, I need you. One, two, three, shoot up, keep it up, come on. Thank you, just keep it up so I can see you. Thank you, see you guys, hands in the back, every location. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's what it's all about. Can't tell you right now, when Bible says when one comes to heaven, all of heaven throws a party, and heaven is throwing one big party right now. Things are happening. Come on, everybody, shoot your hands up. Join your family. Everybody, shoot your hands up. Everybody, every location. Hey, everybody, shout this prayer with me, and then we're going to go into a worship song and close this out today. Everybody, shout, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me. Today, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, and today, I give you my life. You are the center of my life, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person that is in the room, every person that is watching, Lord God, as we worship, I pray you stir inside of them a hunger for you more than you ever have, God. I thank you for their lives. Bless their household, bless their marriages, bless their families, bless their lifestyle, God. Today. Better days begin today, and better days are ahead, Lord God. We serve you with our whole heart, and we give you all our strength. In Jesus' name.